0: Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about the classical world, old books, ideas, which is what Thomas says every now and then. Um, Do you make fun of me for that? I'm just saying like- No ideas in the rest of the podcast. Yeah, yeah.
1: Is everything about ideas? Is that the-
0: I mean, yeah, everything's about ideas, Yeah, but like
1: philosophy. Classical
0: ideas. What is, but
1: I mean, I'm going to talk about a thing from about a hundred years ago. That's a fair point. Okay.
0: Um, And so we talk about old books, ideas, old (laughs) things, um- and sometimes, oh, my name can is... We, can we just
1: pre-record? Is, no, no, we just, no, no, we're going to roll with this. My name
2: is Greg Johnson. shots fired. What is and this? And I am... We do not every talk time, about ideas. Every, every time we meander, we meander in I the know. intro, I'm wondering if we should... I'm begrudgingly joined by <laughs> with by A.J. Hanenberg. He's nailing his intro. <laughs> so much hostility. What's
1: happening?
0: And Thomas Fletcher
1: <laughs> Meg. Do you want to talk
0: about it? Like, what's going on? And sometimes our episodes are combative. Yeah. And we talk about... Um, the Mongol hordes, yes, riding off and uh, taking camps, like literally combative, literally yeah. combative, Royal and combat. taking yeah. and stealing people, and you know it's.
1: And, and other times you are the combative element. Well, is that Alan yeah. the Fair and yeah. a
0: wife named Bort? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then sometimes we do episodes about like legions of small, adorable creatures yes. who eat, who also are pillaging your vegetable garden.
1: Yes, this is true.
0: Um and uh, so Thomas, it looks like you've got a Beatrix Potter book in front of us. I sure do. I've often wondered. Maybe you can elucidate me on this. Okay, was that a typo on her birth certificate, or is that her, her? Is her name actually Beatrix?
1: What's wrong with the name?
0: I always thought it was supposed to be like Beatrice. Yeah, I mean, it was a mistake. I mean, as far as I know. Hmm. Okay, it's a cool name. It's a cool name. it to her. She yeah. sounds like a witch. It's, yeah, Beatrix. It sounds hard. Like it you're sounds like you're coming after like me for my it's, intro. It's you're 50, coming after 50, 50, 50, on for whether her whether or not name? she's going to grow up to be a witch. Yeah. If you gave your kid Beatrix, yeah, she's not going to be like a like a Finnish metal band. Uh huh. Yeah. Or witch, or a, yeah. witch or, or
2: a yoga instructor Ooh, that's rough yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, or apparently a children's
1: book author well and the other things she yeah. also was in a finished death metal band <laughs> yeah we'll get to that part I <laughs> thought you were serious for a second I I don't you really wish, wish. <laughs> <laughs> that super cool no potter no. There's that one
2: Finnish death metal band where the guy wears dead fish. Yeah, mm. they go hard sometimes.
1: I've never. The heard Finns that.
2: love their death. Is medals. it Finnish or was that Nordic? Oh, fine. I'll get to the bottom <laughs> I don't of
1: this. Know, man. Yeah, um, Thomas, take hey. it away. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> On that <laughs> charming note, yeah, this is quite. Again, for, for you listener, this will be separate weeks. But for us, we literally just finished the Genghis Khan episode and now are going straight into a little
0: into bit of cognitive dissonance. A little
1: bit for us, but uh, yeah, I. You know, I've I mentioned that, um, you know, we just had our, our third son and, you know, he's, a, he's two months old. And, you know, it, I, I think I've, I've maybe done a couple episodes in that time, but it's mostly been Graham and AJ working on their episodes in, in the, these last two months. So, um, you know, I did I did use a little bit of AI to help in, in preparing for today's episode. And um, I think it'll be, it'll be seamless. Like I don't think you all are going to notice okay. that some of the kind of written sections are AI related. But I just want to like kind of warn the audience that um, you might, just so you know, I just like for integrity of the of the art, I just want everyone to know that <laughs> y- there's gonna be a little bit of AI kind of um, uh, included through. You. I just oh, want to margar- be upfront is about these, that.
0: these emails you sent us.
1: What? So uh, if you can open your first email, um, uh, you know, not saying this is AI generate. I'm just saying there's a script we're gonna read. It's This kind of intro to Beatrix Potter, um, and. Um, Again, you won't notice where the kind of AI portions come up, right, but cool. just you know, it's it, it's in there. So, uh, does everyone see see what we're reading? And does everyone know that yep. their host, I'm host number? One. Okay, now make sure you just okay. remember your host number. Okay, okay, Got it. great. So let's. Uh, this is our kind of intro on the Beatrix Potter side.
2: Welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of Classical Stuff You Should Know. I'm your host, Michael, joined by my fellow co-hosts Graham and Thomas. Today, we're diving into the whimsical world of a woman whose imagination knew no bounds, Beatrix Potter.
1: Ah. Beatrix Potter. Now there's a name that conjures up images of mischievous rabbits and charming illustrations, but who was this enigmatic woman behind the beloved tales of Peter Rabbit and Friends? Well, Thomas, Beatrix Potter was born on July 28, 1866 in London, England, during the
0: Victorian era. She spent much of her childhood exploring the countryside and developed a keen interest in nature and animals. Indeed, Michael.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen. <laughs> Potters fascination with the natural world led her to become a skilled artist and illustrator, but it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for her. Society at the time had its own rigid expectations for women and Beatrix's artistic aspirations weren't exactly met with open arms. That's right, Graham.
1: <laughs> Despite. Wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Despite societal constraints, Potter persevered. Her artistic talents eventually caught the eye of the publishing world. In 1902, she self published a little book titled The Tale of Peter Rabbit, featuring her own illustrations. And well, you, you could say the rest is history.
0: <laughs> the Tale of Peter Rabbit was an instant success, captivating both children and adults alike. Beatrix Potter went on to write and illustrate a series of charming and imaginative books, introducing readers to memorable characters like Jemima Puddle Duck, Squirrel Nutkin,
2: and Mrs. Tiggywinkle. But there's more to Beatrix than just her whimsical stories. Did you know she was a trailblazer in conservation efforts? Later in life, Potter became a dedicated farmer and land preservationist, acquiring large estates in the Lake District.
1: A true Renaissance woman she was. Beatrix Potter's love for nature wasn't confined wasn't confined to the pages of her books. She actively worked to preserve the beauty of the English countryside. Her legacy extends beyond literature, leaving an indelible mark on the world of conservation.
0: So there you have it, folks. <laughs> Beatrix Potter, an artist, storyteller, and conservationalist who defied, defied the conventions of her time. Her timeless tales continue to enchant generations, reminding us that the power of imagination knows no boundaries.
1: That's incredible. <laughs> wasn't wasn't oh, I Michael? <laughs> yeah. You started then, as Michael and then turned into Graham. Go,
0: Indeed, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know why people are worried that, like, AI is going <laughs> to take a over here. the world.
1: Oh, my it's been, oh man. Um,
0: a <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> Such a missed opportunity. Like, in showing that, the, that you could have said, so the last line yeah. was uh-huh. reminding us that the power of imagination knows no bounds, uh-huh. but you could have said something like,
1: um, what's the name of the farmer?
0: Is it Farmer Brown?
1: Uh, no, not Brown. It's, um, uh, why am I not going to remember this right off the bat? Uh, McGregor. McGregor.
0: So you, instead of saying that, reminding us that the power of imagination knows no boundaries, you could say, you know, Farmer McGreg- Farmer McGregor's fence mm-hmm. can't keep out imagination or yep. something like that, yeah. right?
2: Or even, even there, like, the, is it the power that knows no boundaries or just imagination? It's like, reminds us of the power of imagination or that imagination knows no boundaries. I don't know. It seems like it's, you know, mixing metaphors. It does and, seem like it's mixing
1: The metaphors. one thing that worries me is that the, the prompt, uh, Um, What
2: did you tell ChatGPT to do?
1: Write a background of Beatrix Potter in the style of the podcast Classical Stuff (laughs) You Should Know. (laughs) So what I'm worried is that it it like is looking at what we talk like and and puts that out. So like – we talk in. We do not talk like this. Okay, good. Okay. I hope not. But very funny jokes. And, and who is Michael? Michael. Yeah, I don't know where Michael. that came from. But if it's I. It's you, apparently. Why am I the one that gets <laughs> ousted? You guys yeah. got in here. No, but when I, there. So if I, I, in a separate thread, I ask it, what are the, or who are the hosts of the podcast, Classical Stuff You Should Know? And they, it, it knows Thomas, Graham, and AJ, but it always misspells Graham's name. Yeah, yeah. So it does G R A H A M instead of G R A E M E. So. Which is strange
0: because they must be listening to it as opposed to reading it.
1: Um, or. People are writing about it. It could be that. Yes. we. Your name does get misspelled a decent amount when people write about us. So People write about us? Like reviews and stuff. What? Yeah, like uh, oh, in our well, Apple reviews. Definitely oh, people yeah, would yeah. say I guess so. Graham yeah. misspelled. And it can write bios for us. So anyway, ChatGPT knows that we exist. So anyway, there's your fun fact. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. No it doesn't know AJ exists. It does not <laughs> apparently, no, apparently, no. apparently not. Sorry about Michael's that. Michael's taking my... Do, do you guys know something I don't? Is yeah, there sorry. like a new post coming yeah. in? Is that, this is the you guys have been interviewing? Is Michael in the room with us now? <laughs> yes. Do you see him right here? <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Beatrix Potter. I, you know, we've already kind of covered all the that important was stuff. pretty but delightful. That was incredible. How do we well, know
2: that was all true? You said the first... Is there another email like this we're going to be doing later?
1: Not like this. Sorry. Oh, no. Sad. Sorry. That was so I, I could've I should have done more, but... I, I, yeah, anyway, I did the first one. It was like, this is gold. I'm not going to touch it. Uh, so Beatrix Potter, uh, you know, uh, Peter Rabbit, probably the most famous story, but obviously many, many others. Uh, do you all have any kind of background with Beatrix Potter, Peter Rabbit, any of her, any of her stories? Yep.
0: My my mom read them to me when I was a kid.
1: Yeah. Do you remember um, them fondly? Like, do you feel like you remember them very well?
0: I feel like I also got them all confused with a bunch of different kids' stories. Yeah. Like, I, I so for example, like. Mr. McGregor is Peter Rabbit where he, like, wants to steal the carrots, and Mr. McGregor's really mad at him. Breaks him to the
1: farm. Makes the fence. Uh, He gets – Peter Rabbit gets past the fence, is eating a bunch of food, sees Mr. McGregor, gets chased Mm -hmm. for an extended period of time, and then gets away at the end eventually.
0: I, of course, remember being a child, being upset with farmer Mr. McGregor for not allowing the rabbit to eat the delicious food. Yeah. And now – I like I, – I get it. You're on completely oh, the yeah. other side of this. yeah. I have completely switched. It's like recently I rewatched the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off mm-hmm. and now as somebody that works in the school, there's a scene where where Mr. Rooney is like, um, Grace, if we let people like Ferris get away with stuff, we'll lose the integrity of like – we'll lose the respect of all the students and everyone will be crazy. And she's like, oh, Mr. Road. Um, but I, I remember at the time, you're supposed to hate Mr. Rooney because he's trying to, like, rain on the chill of Ferris. And I rewatched that movie, and I was like, Mr. Rooney makes some pretty good points. <laughs> like, <laughs> And Ferris makes
2: a, a lot of bad decisions that day. Ferris makes
0: some bad decisions that day, and Mr. Rooney is kind of correct. Now, Mr. Rooney shouldn't have gone to Ferris's house. Uh, but there's some, like mr rooney's got some like some of his uh his rationale as to why he can't let ferris get away with this one thing i mean i get it now
2: and when you were young is this is this the moment when you've lived long enough to see yourself become the villain
1: yes i think you've lived long enough
0: to become the person you don't want to be yeah i've become mr rooney
2: ed rooney how's that feel uh not great
1: (laughs) Let's have these more of these realizations. I don't right know, there.
2: but looking back, they wrecked that classic car of his dad's. That car. That's a nice car that broke I the know. windows yeah. out. Like, you know how many thousands of dollars in damages that is?
1: Yeah, it's kind of related here. Well, bow, bow, oh yeah. <laughs> J bow, bow, oh yeah. I'm just, I want, I want another hour of J-bow. Graham doing that over and over, <laughs> <laughs> and over again. What's beautiful? <laughs> this is our greatest episode ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I think related. <laughs> We the may- 80s were a magical cocaine fueled time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wild time. Um, that you know, we, we may or may not get to actually reading uh, some of Beatrix Potter's stories. But I do wonder, like, who is like, to take your Peter Rabbit example? I I don't think he's the good guy of that story. Like, I don't think he's meant heroic uh, to be a hero in that story. It is but, to a
0: little kid, I think.
1: Well, say more. What do you? Well, I, I just. You think Peter Rabbit is all I is remember? The,
0: being a little kid is like you. The little animals are the people that you like, sure? and then the mean farmers are the ones you don't. Yeah,
2: like, I always thought Mister. Gregor was evil. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, he's uh, again chasing after. Yeah. Peter Rabbit. Scary. The,
2: the, Who chases a rabbit?
1: Uh, Graham does. Yeah. Yeah, I do.
2: I would now. I, Rennie does now. My dog. I don't think the rabbits would want to eat, eat what I got. Yeah. I'm just growing Carolina Reapers. I don't think that's yeah. <laughs> for <laughs> rabbits. Do you
1: actually? Yeah. Can you grow them inside, or are you growing yep. them on the? I've
2: got I've got two on the plant
1: right now. Have you tried one? Okay. I'm terrified for this.
2: I've, I put one into a batch of chili the other day and it was barely edible because it was so hot. <laughs> so hot? Man. Yeah, okay. so hot.
1: That's, uh, yeah.
2: I've got two in some olive oil right now. Beep. That's pretty nice. Let me know. Have yeah, you, you tried the olive oil and it's yeah, okay? Yeah, it, you don't really notice it right away and then there's yeah. a little burn afterwards. Yeah. A little burn? Yeah. Yeah, a little a, burn. It's not too bad. I think if I leave them in there too long, it'll get worse, but right now it's it's like pretty good. That's I good. want it to get to the point where it can actually spice your food a little bit. So
1: The olive oil itself, you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Never tried that. Uh, so, yeah, Beatrix Potter. Uh, AJ, do you have any history or like uh, connection to Beatrix Potter? A little
2: bit. I remember reading a few of the stories, but it's not a deep connection. I think Berenstein, Bears, and were more my, mm. my speed.
1: Those definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I know that just in thinking about what episodes I'm actually likely to finish over the next few months, like, you know, what little reading I do at this point is going to be books that I'm reading with my kids. Um, but like, my oldest is getting into. I, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but he recently made it through Pilgrim's Progress, which I was surprised at how much he really enjoyed that that book. He just started Narnia, so he just finished uh, *Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe* mm-hmm. and really liked that. That's fun. Um, but uh, yeah, *Beatrix Potter* and all these Peter Rabbit stories are are ones that have he's been reading for a while now, and now my middle child enjoys. Have you been
0: reading them out loud? Yeah, for sure. I just yeah. finished reading *Voyage of the Dawn Treader* out loud to Amanda last yeah. night. And how was that? She was fast asleep, so I don't oh. think. <laughs> Good. Uh, I liked it.
1: It do It it's a little
0: weird at the end of The Dawn Shutter. They're like walking at the edge of the world, yeah. and then they see the lamb, and then he turns into Aslan. He's like, you guys got to go home. Yeah. And um, I forgot how like woo-woo Lewis gets when he Towards starts talking about the sort of the, the Aslan's country and sort of the cosmic edges and all this stuff.
2: Didn't Reepicheep cheap? Yeah, he sails going? off. Yeah, so he sailed into the eternal land.
0: Re- cheap gets to sail into the eternal land. I wonder if he's like Elijah. I think, yeah. Uh, maybe he sails Sees off like alive into heaven. Man, I love Reefy Cheap. What a glorious mouse! Just so good, yeah. He,
2: he does have a pride problem a little bit, yeah. but uh, I don't but it know. works out for him in the it end. Works I out guess, for him yeah. in the end. He's uh, he just, yeah. I'm surprised. I, I reread that whole series yeah. about a year ago and
1: just openly wept. It's yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised one of y'all have, hasn't done Narnia yet. For, we should for a series,
0: yeah. Or I mean, we should do Plant Narnia.
1: Uh, you've read, have you read that? Oh, yeah. Someone emailed us about that. But I, I think never, it's okay. spot on. Cause that's connecting each of the books to one of the planets planets from like the, that's like the classical conception Mm -hmm, of those planets. Mm -hmm. That's a whole thing. I don't know. I'll do it. Yeah. I'm on it. I don't know anything about that. Um, anyway, just to, uh, talk a little bit about the topic of the episode. Um, so Beatrix Potter, um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) born 1866, we already made reference to that. I'm just going to keep rolling. Um, and, um, you know, born in, born into a, um, well-to-do family, uh, raised in kind of a, a comfortable upbringing. Um, Did she defy the expectations of her time? <laughs> or whatever they said in there. Kind of, right? So there's um, there's some stuff early on. So Peter Rabbit's not published until 190, depending on which version you're looking at, 1901 or 1902. I believe self-published. I think self-published is 1901. It is very successful. I think it's picked up in 1902. So you got like 34 years there of like Beatrix Potter's life prior to that. Uh, So she is selling her own illustrations prior to Peter Rabbit um, becoming a thing before her putting that book together. Uh, So around 1890, she sells some um, like rabbit pictures that become Christmas cards. Um, So she is like making an income there, which is good. There's also this whole background of – she was was a very good illustrator. Like that's kind of what she learned early on in life. And so she has these really – um, you should look them up like there's really neat illustrations of um of mushrooms of like mm, fung- i've seen them fungus and, mm-hmm. and like they're very detailed um, very colorful bright um they're, they're like these great um drawings and I haven't looked a lot into this but essentially she wanted those drawings to be incorporated into not just her but like people who worked with her to be incorporated into scientific. Papers, mm-hmm. and that was she was not able to present her own scientific findings. Essentially, mm. she had to have there was a, a man who had to present that for her instead because she wasn't able to present to whatever whatever group it was that would that would hear the the kind of scientific proceedings. So there is, I mean, there there is that for sure. Um, but uh, I forget which of her mushroom drawings, but some are still like used to this day. Like the the level of detail, the the the, the art, artistry of them is still compelling to this day. So. You know, there's a lot that happens prior to the the stories I'll get into, but obviously the main thing she's known for is children's literature, which comes into play, again, around the 1900s. So I think, Graham, you were making reference to this. So these story, the, the children's stories that she writes come from her writing these stories essentially for kids that yeah. she knew. So growing up um, – uh, uh, Beatrix Potter had a tutor, or a, a governess, I think is the, the term for it, but mm. like someone who essentially would would teach her, um, like lived in the house, was like, cared for her, so right? So she came
0: from a fancier family.
1: Fancier family growing up. And then uh, this governess, as, you know, time goes on, has a kid, and Beatrix Potter starts writing to this kid, and that's Noelle Moore. Oh. And she... She writes the story and uh I think 1893 is when she writes the story to Noelle that's like that is the Peter Rabbit story or what will become the Peter Rabbit story. But she just writes it for fun, essentially, to entertain this kid. And then kind of goes on her way. And then, you know, seven years later, six, seven years later, is like, Hey, can I borrow those <laughs> those uh those letters I wrote you? Can I can I get those back for a little bit? And the the kid had kept them, gave them back to her, and she put a book together of uh, that became the tale of Peter Rabbit. Um, she originally didn't. Uh, again, if you know anything about uh, about Potter, the, you you know the illustrations are very important to mm-hmm. to these books. And again, and she did them. She did those illustrations as well, but she did not do them at first. So the first version of Peter Rabbit, she it was just the story essentially, or that plus black and white drawings. But she was encouraged to add these color pictures to them, and. She finally relented on that and then ends up selling – there are a couple pieces to it. First, she wants to sell the story with just these black and white drawings. No publishers are interested. She self-publishes herself 500 copies or something like that, sells out of those pretty quickly, gets the interest of some publishers. She adds in these color pictures and then ends up selling 50,000 copies of the book by uh, the end of the year after, by the end of 1903. So 1901, self-publishes. 1902 gets picked up by a by a bigger publisher 1903 we're off to the races she's uh getting the stuff published um and a couple ways to take the story from here one is that this kind of launches something for her that um we have this one story off the bat which then kind of goes from there into the sequels that that come out of peter rabbit um, I guess. Do you all? Are there any other stories of hers that you have a fondness for or, or remember outside of just that? that Peter Rabbit. I don't one?
0: think so. No, I, I remember as a kid, I always confused her with Frog and Toad, and those are very also different. good stories. Yeah, also but really not, good stories. not the same.
1: Um, so she follows up uh, Peter Rabbit with uh, the tale of Benjamin Bunny. So in Peter Rabbit, it's the story about Peter Rabbit uh, going into Mr. McGregor's farm stealing some of his fruits and vegetables and then like barely escaping with his life. Mm. Uh, but he loses his clothes in the process. And his clothes, mm. Peter Rabbit's clothes get put up as a scarecrow in Mr. McGregor's mm, garden right. to, to warn off future invaders from coming into the into the farm. Well, the the sequel is, is Benjamin Bunny, the cousin of um, Peter Rabbit, breaking back into McGregor's garden to steal back the clothes that he had lost before. Um, and so – Again, it's kind of a sequel in the same vein of what Peter Rabbit was in the first place, and then following our, our sequel and sequel and sequel of. So it's like a vengeance story, It kind of, yeah, but uh, much less murder than yeah, the yeah. than the con episodes, but um, but the same emotion, much, <laughs> much the grin. same the same heart about them. the same yeah, heart, yeah, yeah, there's no, yeah, the same heart as the Mongols. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> but um, I've always known that of rabbits. <laughs> I mean, kind savage of, people. Though, you might, you might. Rabbits with, are mean, man. Yeah. Rabbits are. Uh, I feel
0: like rabbits are the jerks of the animal kingdom. You can't. I thought that was the possum. Mm, well, the, the possums just scream at you.
2: I feel like rabbits plot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the raccoon. Mm, uh, I don't know, man. It's, well, it's not like these traits are singular. It's like, oh, the raccoon's are plotter, nobody one. else yeah. can plot.
0: Every rabbit I've known, I feel like it has something against me. <laughs> have you known a lot of rabbits?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Sounds, I have. Um, I feel like we're going to have to talk about this later. I want to <laughs> unpack this one, yeah. We, this is probably in-between topic, right? Yeah, of all, yeah. the, all the rabbits you've ever hated. Um, but again, a couple ways that the story, a couple ways of talking through the Beatrix Potter story. One is the expansion of this universe of, of characters, again, going from Peter to Benjamin to kind of the surrounding families. Uh, she will eventually move into, uh, a town called Sari, S-A-W-R-E-Y. Um, and, um, it's just interesting to, as you read her stories, they, and she'll say this, that these early stories don't, have a specific place to them. They're kind of an amalgamation of lots of different villages she's seen or people she's known. The names of the animals themselves will come from previous pets of hers. So there is an actual Peter Rabbit that she had um, when she was younger. Um, so, But it's more kind of general in these early stories, whereas the later ones are actually set in Sorry, Like mm-hmm. she'll be describing the actual town where she lives. She has one story, uh, the tale of Samuel Whiskers, that's set in Hilltop, that's set in the, this house that she buys eventually. Um, and so it's just interesting to watch as she develops this kind of more, uh, more pronounced sense of place as the stories go on.
0: I always like it when houses have names. Yeah.
1: It's the, you have a name for the we the do. land, yeah. but do you.
0: Lapidosa? Lapidosa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, that's more of a like, I don't know. I don't know if it's kind of, not arrogant, but may, people may mock us for it, but I, but it's more based on the fact that I like the fact that like, if you're going to have a house and you're going to live there, like name it, like hilltop. Yeah. Like that's not a big, no one, no one spent a lot of time thinking about that. It's <laughs> right. probably on the top of a hill, right. but it's better than saying like, you know, 79 mercantile way or whatever. Yeah. Um, um you yeah. Name our houses, name your houses, listeners. That's what I'm saying. Th-
1: I don't, do you name a condo? Yeah, you name a condo. But are they... You need something unique about you it. You need something name, right? unique about it. Yeah. What would you name it, Hanneberg? Poopy pool overlook? No, no, <laughs> nope, no. No, I don't like that. Um,
0: no. uh, you have pe- your grown peppers. Uh-huh. You could call it like uh, View, or... Oh, uh, oh yeah. I hate that. Or like the peppers are on your balcony, right? And your balcony is like uh, Overlook. I don't know. You gotta I think. Mean, see, I'll, this, I'll this, think this is what you think gotta think do. You gotta think this through. Yeah. Maybe you've got some beautiful trees in your backyard. We do. And uh, so, but, but my husband, but so do all of our neighbors. Like, we, mm. there's less unique. That's what's tough. Is that when you live in like the suburbs and yeah. everyone's house kind of yeah. is on the same catalog. Let me
1: I'll, let me follow this. All right. Sorry. This, no, no. Just the, what you're bringing up. There again, a couple different directions, but just to kind of follow this one thread of the story. Um, early on in life, she had been to Sari and kind of was. Uh, impressed by it, wanted to move there, finally makes that dream happen as she has this financial success that comes out of Peter Rabbit, the kind of extended books that she writes as a part of that. She'll eventually, like I mentioned, she buys this house and then will um, live there. She kind of, she has 10 or 12 years where she's very active in publishing books. That's where most of the 23, I think, books that she writes, like most of them are written in this 10 or 12 year period. And then after that, she's mostly focused on farming. Her kind of literary output uh, decreases. She becomes much more interested in kind of the life in this village, um, and then lives there. And then uh, uh, passes away in the 1940s, mm. I think 43, if I'm remembering right. Um, yeah, so uh, lives to the age of 77, and then dies in. There's a near Sarri and a far Sari. There are these two towns that are right next to each other. Um, anyway, we have that in
0: Canada too. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, no, it's when, when, um, ours is like when you've offended somebody really close to you, that's a near sorry. <laughs> and then when you've offended somebody, but they're further away from like you, that's immigrant. A, that's a far sorry. Yeah. Did, and I, you're like, it's a, when there's a near sorry, you say, I'm sorry. But when you've offended somebody far yeah. away, that's a far sorry.
1: I was very curious if, like, this is where all Canadians come from. That was, <laughs> sorry. My, that was my other, yeah, from sorry. Yeah. Cause it's even S A W R E Y. Like, it's even like the inflection sorry. of how sorry sounds. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of her life, she will, um, donate her house uh, in addition to all the land that she has um, kind of gathered during her life to the um, National Trust, which is this kind of um, historical preservation society in in England um, that um, owns like – it's hundreds of thousands of acres in England. Do you know much about them? Uh, the, the, reading the Beatrix Potter oh, she, story – The National Trust? It's called – yeah, National Trust. Yeah, yes. yeah.
0: So, the, yeah, the National Trust is like the – you know, the, you know, the society that, that sort of maintains wild English countryside. Yes. And, um, and they're sort of part and parcel with the natural horticultural society. Like they, the, uh, the, um, the NHS, there's like a big, it's a big thing in England to try to preserve wilderness throughout England.
1: Um, yeah. And I was trying to. They own something like 1% of all land in England. Like some absurd amount. And you
0: can become part of the NHS, the National Horticultural Society and the National Trust. You can become a master at cultivating a certain kind of English plant. And if you have a certain number of varieties and you have a certain number of them growing at a certain time, you can get a National Trust. um, Basically like 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 certification. And you are keeping the periwinkle... British periwinkle alive yeah. or whatever. And it's this whole thing. We don't have any, I, I was going to say, we don't have anything like it in the United States. I'm sure we have some kind of like American national horticultural society, but nothing Not nearly on the scale yeah. of what the English have. It's really quite cool.
1: It's, as The more I read this, the more I was like, this feels like the Graham Donaldson story yeah. of like, you know, she's doing all this work so that essentially she can go work on a farm mm-hmm. and like, and focus on kind of again, horticulture and just raising these plants and all that. Um, and then I, I made reference. I haven't
0: done any children's books. That's,
1: well, you know, you still got time, right? AJ is cooking up a children's book. Are you Mark actually on one? Mm-hmm. It's, how far along is this? It's about a lighthouse. Yeah. Want,
2: I, I mean, I can tell the
1: plot. You it's, want to?
2: I mean, hopefully no one jacks it. Yeah, so, I know, that's what I'm worried if about. I say it, it's copyrighted, right? Or at least it's my oh, idea. I don't, so. I don't
1: know. Couldn't someone else just make a book about a sure, lighthouse? Whatever. Okay. You can, if you want to.
2: I mean, I'm still I'm still working on it. Right now, it's about a lighthouse who has a crisis uh-huh. and doesn't want to be a lighthouse anymore. Uh-huh. So he tries a bunch of other things. He's going to try being a stoplight at an intersection. Blinds. <laughs> it doesn't go very well. <laughs> uh, He's going to try being a spotlight in a theater, but all of the actors are like running across the stage to stay in the spotlight and <laughs> like getting out of breath and huffing their lines, and the blocking doesn't make any sense. And yeah. so he doesn't do that for very long. Yeah. Uh, at one point, he is going to go and lay in a field, depressed, and everyone thinks it's a music show because of the lights in the sky. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> a whole bunch of millennials are going to come out and sort of like <laughs> wonder what's happening and lay down next to him And Glastonbury, I, n- I need to figure out a way to incorporate some kids. I think a kid is going to stumble on the lighthouse. And then the feelings of the lighthouse are all going to be told through the crazy lighthouse keeper mm. who is old. He's lost his wife and his kids. His name is, uh, what was it? Perius, mm-hmm. And he has one red woolen sock that he switches foot to foot every day like a benevolent God telling his (laughs) other foot that it must suffer for the day. And that's how we grow. And the one that gets comfort is like, sometimes God brings comfort. And then like, that's what I've got so far. I like it. So a lighthouse that has a crisis. uh,
1: Are you going to illustrate it too?
2: I don't know. I've got some, I got some folks that I have in mind for illustrations. So it might be illustrated. It's, it's cooking up to be a little bit longer, I think than I had originally thought, which is going to be fun. Yeah. So I think all of the feelings of the lighthouse and even the travel of the lighthouse is going to be like, the kid is going to ask how they get from place to place And the lighthouse keepers would be like, "Come on, man! You know this lighthouses spin, (laughs) and that's it. That's all.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I'll buy a copy. See how it goes. Yeah, I believe. But uh, just to kind of put the kind of wrap up that that side on the on the conservation piece of it. Again, referenced in our not at all AI generated (laughs) introduction, is uh, so at the end of her life, Beatrix Potter. Well, yeah, when her life ends, she uh, she gives four thousand acres. Uh, of land and countryside to the National Trust, as well as 14 farms. Damn. She also gave, uh, I believe it's the original illustrations for her, her what became her books. So like the, the notes that she wrote or the first versions of the pictures, like the, again, original illustrations. She also gave those to the National Trust. Um, whereas the rights for the book went to her publisher, which then got acquired. This part is not interesting, but eventually was acquired by Penguin. And actually just a few years ago, actually entered the public domain. So we just passed, uh, a few years ago, passed 70 years after Beatrix Potter's death. And that's when her books were put into the public domain. And this is why you can go on uh, Project Gutenberg and you can look up any one of, you can look up her books. There were some that were published posthumously that I think might still be under copyright. Mm -hmm. But like the big ones are up on Project Gutenberg. You can see, the text you can see the images it's all it's all up there right now cool um, so anyway that's the kind of conservation side of things um, again donated to the National Trust does
0: she have any sort of writings about her um, like her thoughts on conservation or why she wanted to do it or was she like sort of con- concerned about the depleting countryside or like uh, or she's really like farming like does she have um, sort of things that she circulated about conservation that, um, um, or, was she, or was this more of a like private concern of hers? Like, was she sort of in the conservationist movement or was she just sort of doing this on her own and then towards the end of her life, she donated it?
1: It's a couple of things. So the National Trust is founded by three people mm-hmm. and one of them is a friend of hers mm. who growing up essentially got her the start in publishing. Mm-hmm. So that's Hardwick Ronsley, mm. friend of the Potter family. He himself was a published author as well. I think he wrote Moral Poetry. Um, I've tried looking some of it up and um, maybe I just didn't give it a chance, but uh, I chose not to read it for the podcast. Um, But he was the first person who tried to connect her with publishers. So she had that connection with him. He then goes on to found the National Trust. Gotcha. And so there's that side of it. There's like a personal connection. And then the other, so most of the writing, again, I'm aware of like right now as we talk is the children's books, and then she wrote a ton of letters. Mm. So her letters get collected, um, and that's where a lot of her kind of thoughts on, say, conservation would come from. So just to read a few quotes. Toward the end of her life, Beatrix Potter wrote, if I have done anything, even a little, to help small children on the road to enjoy and appreciate honest, simple pleasures, I have done a bit of good. I already mentioned when she died, Beatrix Potter. I'm reading from a Beatrix Potter treasury, which is a great book. When she died, Beatrix Potter left 4,000 acres of land to the nation. She dearly loved the countryside and in her 70s wrote, As I lie in bed, I can walk step by step on the fells and rough lands, seeing every stone and flower where my old legs will never take me again. So at least Aww. appreciated the beauty of the... I yeah, mean, it happens to us all. And she wanted to give that to... You said when she was 70? Yeah. Feels early. Well, she died at 77, so mm-hmm. not too far before. So I don't know the... I, I, I don't know details on... Exercise is important. It is very important. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know the, like the advocacy side of it, but what, what she did is she like took her personal wealth, put it in, she achieved what she wanted to in, in life. She bought the farm, she lived in the town she wanted to be in and then gave that away so others could, could benefit from that. Mm -hmm. And there is now at Hilltop, I believe that's where the Beatrix Potter Museum is. So a bunch of original illustrations. Yeah. You can go and see the place where she lived and where many of the stories were set. That kind of dovetails with another piece of the story, which I think is interesting, and I don't know how much we'll actually go into it. Um, But Peter Rabbit is like, I I don't know, what's the non-jerk way of saying like big intellectual property or significant intellectual property? Um, uh, An interesting fact is that, so original Peter Rabbit stories published in, published broadly in 1902. Well, Beatrix Potter sees that there's success here, and she uh, licenses the first uh, – uh, she licenses a Peter Rabbit toy. She makes like a stuffed Peter Rabbit toy, registers it with the patent office in London. And this means that Peter Rabbit is the oldest licensed fictional character. Dang. So she's like – Cool. And so we all, we have the um,
2: – She doesn't sell it to Nickelodeon or something? She keeps it herself. There wasn't like a Dracula bobblehead doll before this or nothing?
1: Apparently not or at least not one that is uh, – given to Bram Stoker or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, he did not get benefit from it, I mm-hmm. think is what is, this is getting at. Um, if I can find it, there was also a... Yeah, she registered the doll. The doll was followed the next year by wallpaper and then a Peter Rabbit board game devised by Beatrix Potter herself. Dang. So there's also something here where, like, she is capitalizing on it, where, like, she has this great idea. She has a hit, again, sells 50,000 copies in two years out of... from. From nothing, right? Self-publishes to 50,000. Then also expands it into these other products, these other kind of toys, games, things that they can play with, uh, that kids can play with. And, um, you know, maybe it's because we know where her life ends up that she acquires this wealth and then gives it away for the benefit of people. But, like, there's something really, I don't know, uh, satisfying about an artist who benefits from what they create and then they own that, Product for the duration of their life.
0: The picture of the first ever Peter Rabbit doll is Terrifying. somewhat horrific.
1: Yeah. So it, it doesn't look good. Uh, <laughs> can you see it right here, AJ? Uh, <laughs> look at that. YouTube, you <laughs> can't <laughs> see this. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> look at that thing. Yeah.
0: That's going to freak kids out.
1: And yeah,
2: I, that's, that's the stuff of nightmares right there.
1: And I think she made them herself. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, soon after the i ta- those go for a gajillion dollars. This, this one's for
0: sale, just for a thousand British pounds. That's it. That's it.
1: For an original Peter Rabbit, yeah. they must have made a ton of. Well, them. this is a circa 1909, so it may not be original. A little bit later, original. yeah. Well, maybe. So soon after the tale of Peter Rabbit was published, she began to make a Peter Rabbit doll. "Quote: I am cutting out calico patterns of Peter. I have not got it right yet, but the expression is going to be lovely, especially the whiskers pulled out of a brush." End quote. Uh, and then I already read the part. She registered it in 1903. Um, so I don't really know what to make of it. It, it, it it's something Does that that
0: I, rub you the wrong way. Is that what No, I think it's saying? awesome. Oh, okay.
1: Like I, uh, I think it's a point that you two have probably brought up a dozen times, but the the picture of the artist as this like miserable mm-hmm. life is awful person is at odds with Beatrix Potter, who, you know, wrote her first, first book in her early thirties. So not like it wasn't mm-hmm. like she was like young and, um, then got to profit off of it. And then live the life she wanted to yeah. uh, at the end of her life. Like she seemed really happy. It's like... Um, it's like Mendelssohn. It did, did, did Mendelssohn Yeah, he also? did the same thing. He was yeah. just
0: like around the air when all the composers were like having mental breakdowns and were miserable, he's like, I love my sister and my family and yeah. I write music and I'm popular and then I lived a happy life.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's the Canterbury Tales guy. Um, Chaucer. Chaucer. Yeah, Chaucer. Like, he was a wealthy man. Yep. and uh, made lots of money. Yeah. Tax guy. So was Shakespeare. Got free wine from the king. Yeah, Shakespeare yeah. ended up pretty wealthy, lived at his house. It's like uh, Spielberg. Yeah. Is that- <laughs> I guess like he, or, he's, he's a star profiting Wars guy. off of yeah. What's yeah his name? George Lucas, Lucas. Yeah. George Lucas. I'm yeah, sure he sold it to Disney and they yeah. can do whatever they want with it. Yeah. You think he's is he mad? About, to like a mountain of crap. Huh? Is he mad about what happened? In I the, have no in the idea. I mean, trilogy?
0: he yeah. probably you can't hear him talk muffled with his like mountain of money. I yeah.
2: thought <laughs> I thought I I heard that he said when he saw the new the three new ones he was like, I thought I made these movies before. Because <laughs> the that? For the first one is the same Jedi in the desert finds a droid with plans. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's the exact same. It's the same movie. The hackles, <laughs> you, you feel you feel the hackles raising. Uh, we love Star Wars. What are you talking about? I don't love the new Star Wars. They broke so many rules. Uh, this is somehow. A- oh my gosh! Oh my the
1: Emperor came back uh, somehow.
2: Yeah, everyone. No came back. one's ever really gone. <laughs>
1: Is that actually, what is that? That first? was in the trailer. That was in the trailer. That was That's the trailer. No yeah. one's
0: ever yeah.
2: really gone. Uh, yeah. Cause then you can't bring him back for a franchise. Uh, oh, the one that made me just, <laughs> oh my <God>. sorry, Thomas. <laughs> no, this is great. So hacked. We yeah. can talk about this no, in the in, in between, no. in between.
0: We'll, we'll, no, we'll chop it up. We'll yeah. chop it All right.
2: up. I'm pushing my hackles down. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Star Wars <laughs> is them. Um, We need like a hackle comb. A hackle comb. I don't even know what that means. What are, what are the hackles? Uh, is it the back of your neck? Is that what a hack? You tell me. You're going to tell me. The yeah. yeah.
2: The the hairs along the back of a dog or other animal's neck that rise when it is angry or alarmed. Yeah. Oh,
0: rainy does that when he sees a snake.
1: Yeah. A rooster too. As you should. Okay. So uh, we talked about Beatrix Potter. I guess the other part is um, like the stories are just fun to read. Uh, we, I've, I'm sure if you read a, uh, what's popular today or like a, just pick up your one random kid's book. Nickelodeon's Peter rabbit. Yeah. Well, actually that he's sassy. I didn't even think about that. So like there's a, there's a version of uh, Peter rabbit. He might be a vampire. <laughs> Ooh, I'd watch that. Um, there's like a PBS Peter or a Beatrix, Beatrix Potter series, which is like awesome. It's essentially retellings of the stories, it's hand-drawn animation, like it's great. Mm. And then I have not gone much down the path, but there are then Peter Rabbit versions that are newer, You're kind of computer graphics, and it's like totally new stories essentially. Yeah. So, um, you know, they have to like make it more exciting for, uh, I don't know, the kids these days? What am I supposed now, to say? does yeah.
0: Peter Rabbit, Does do the Beatrix Potter stories have some kind of moral attached to the stories, or is it just more that it's happy, it's like people living simple country lives and it's just charming in that way?
1: Um, I will give you all two choices. We, to answer that question, we can either read a short Beatrix Potter story or we can read Peter Rabbit and talk about it. We have time for either one. Do you all have a preference? One I, or one? I, let's read a new one. Okay. So then I'm going to send you, I actually already sent you one email that says Beatrix Potter two. Helpfully, you're going to ignore that one and go straight to Beatrix Potter three. So when you click on this one, you will hopefully get to a project Gutenberg website and it'll say the story of a fierce, bad rabbit. Who did you send this to? Both of you. I don't think I got it. To oh, your Gmail. I got two just now. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Just now. Okay. So that, uh, that one, I'll So i sent I'll just search again. it up. It's on Gutenberg. Cool. Yeah. What is it? The story of a fierce, bad rabbit. I think this was also the most riveting part of the, uh, Greek comedy podcast was trying to get the links figured it's out. Is my
0: drive to refresh, uh, minutes and the, uh, there we go.
1: Is it finally coming yep. through?
0: Oh, cute.
1: Yeah. Okay, this one's shorter, and again, by us reading it on the podcast, you're missing out on all the pictures. The there are some relevant ones toward the end <laughs> that we might describe. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was in uh, Graham. I think you should read this one. Sure, um, uh, it's a you know modern morality tale. Okay. I suppose. Um, so let's go. Should we
0: have AJ describe the photo? Uh,
1: that would do. Uh, yes. Okay,
2: AJ, you up for this? On the cover of a book is a plump rabbit sitting on a bench. He has a carrot in his mouth and he looks a little overweight mm-hmm. and he is sitting there staring straight ahead with someone that looks like they have a gun in the background. Yes. Okay. okay. Let's
1: get down to the where the book begins.
0: This is a fierce bad rabbit. Look at his savage whiskers and his claws and his turned up
2: tail. The picture of his rabbit is of a rabbit that looks not at all savage. <laughs> he looks like he's running and having an okay time, but he looks very alert. Yes. This is a nice, gentle rabbit. His mother has given him a carrot. The rabbit sits on a bench, eating a carrot. In the background? In the background, there's another rabbit. <laughs> the bad rabbit would like some carrot. The bad rabbit is now standing on the bench, lording over the smaller rabbit, who is ho- clutching his carrot like a child, and he seems to be poking. The bad rabbit is poking with his claws at the younger rabbit. He doesn't say please, he takes it. <laughs> bad rabbit looks like he's slapping the younger rabbit away, uh, who is now on his rump, sort of lying on the bench, and the bad rabbit is taking a big old chomp out of the carrot. And he scratches
0: the good rabbit very badly.
2: Now, they're both off the bench, and he seems to be biting and scratching at the other rabbit's rump. Yes. The good rabbit creeps away and hides in a hole. It feels sad. The rabbit is hiding in a hole, feeling sad. Look at the background. I know. Oh there's, a, oh, there's a rabbit on a bench in the background. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a man with a gun. In the foreground is a man with a gun.
0: <laughs> he sees something sitting on a bench. He thinks it is a very funny bird.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the man with the gun, who, by the way, looks like he's got a sort of a picnic satch- yes. satchel strung across his back. He's got yes. a little beard, a nice little hat, and some hunting galoshes. He sees in the distance a, an outline of a rabbit on a bench. He comes creeping up behind the trees. It's the same picture that's on the front of that plump rabbit eating a carrot, looking spaced, and a guy in the back with a gun. And then he shoots. Bang! The man is shooting his gun, looking down the sights. This is what happens. It looks like <laughs> two ears, a tail, a carrot, and some hairs with no rabbit. Floating, Just yeah. like floating in the air. <clears throat> but...
0: This is all he finds on the bench when he rushes up with his gun. It's a little plump
2: tail fluff and a carrot and nothing else. (laughs) The good rabbit peeps out of its hole. Uh, It's a rabbit peeping out of a hole and the man with the gun is running past. And it sees the bad rabbit tearing past without any tail or whiskers. (laughs) And there goes the bad rabbit looking frightened with no tail or whiskers. This is like a horrifying story, it's, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought the rabbit was completely yeah. obliterated. You, so it's supposed to—it's supposed
1: to look like the hunter shoots and then just yeah, just absolutely destroys like the, shotgun vaporizes, shotgun, vaporizes that, that rabbit. rabbit. Uh, so you'll be shocked when I read this to you uh, that this book was intended for very young children.
0: Leah. <laughs> but the rabbit is alive at the end, but he's got right. like red, bleary—I've been crying my eyes out—eyes yeah. as the bad rabbit runs away.
1: And the so the bad rabbit has lost his tail and whiskers mm-hmm, from this, sure so has. he's not really. Hurt, right? I don't know, whatever. He's very scared, clearly, but uh, has survived this. So, Graham, your question was do these stories have a morality to them? This one might be a little more straightforward and on the nose, but what's the story here? What's the Um,
0: warning? An adult is going to shoot you. (laughs) No.
1: uh, Don't be a bully or you get shot. Don't be a bully,
0: you get shot. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah don't steal other people's things and be cruel or it's like a karma tale. But that yeah. wasn't
2: why he got it's true. shot. Like if the good rabbit had just been sitting there longer, he'd have no whiskers or Correct. tail. There yes. doesn't right. seem to be a connection with the deed and the punishment.
1: Because he's only hiding. Yeah, the good rabbit's hiding from the bad rabbit, mm-hmm. but not to get away from the. So bully people and yes, you'll save a life. You'll save is, a life. Yeah, that works. Mm. Yep, that's the, yep, good. Mm. Um, no, it's uh, the great karmic justice that if you are bad, then. Bad things uh, happen to yeah, you. Yeah, then bad things happen to you. I think that's what it's getting at. Um, yeah. So, is there a moral to the story? I think what what is help, what is good, is that it's not, it does not wrap up with, and therefore you should not uh, put punch your brother and steal his carrot or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't wrap up that way.
0: It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't spell out the moral. Yes, That's just telling the story. But it just tells
1: a story. It's a funny little story. No one's actually hurt in the end, even though it. Uh, the, my first time reading again. I. As I'm reading through the Beatrix Potter treasury, we're just going through each story. We get to this one and I'm like mortified that I've just like told my four year old that like a rabbit got shot. Uh, But, you know, it all works out in the end. Um, And I'd say most of the stories are along that line of it's, it's an entertaining story. There is a moral to it, I'd say. Like if you're there's clearly a message to get from it, but you can also read it at the level of I just like this story. Again, we're not going to read it at this point, but like the Peter Rabbit story, it's entertaining on its own that there's kind of a scary adventure. Uh, Peter Rabbit almost gets caught by Mr. McGregor, uh, but he escapes. But he is like exhausted at the end of his day. His mother scolds him. He has to go to bed cold because he has no clothes anymore. Like there is a message in there. There there is a, a morality to the story, even if there's not a clear one line at the end. Therefore, don't be like Peter Rabbit. They don't like turn to the camera and say, this is our, kids. Yeah, our PSA right now. Yeah. Um, this one specifically uh, came from, a, maybe, maybe this contradicts what I just said. We'll, we'll see what you all think. So I already told you the book was meant for small children. Um, it was very specifically written for an editor uh, of, of Beatrix Potter's daughter. So this editor's daughter, Louie, who had told Beatrix that Peter was too good a rabbit and she wanted a story about a really naughty one. Um, uh, so I don't, you know, this this character is intended by Potter to be even worse than Peter Rabbit.
0: This, the the bully rabbit, the one we just when read, he's got yeah. his tail yeah, yeah. Off. which I
1: think, like Peter so Rabbit he's is a not, jerk. Yeah,
0: I mean AJ did a wonderful job describing it, but this, yeah. the horror of that picture of him slapping the little guy and yeah. Greely engorging himself on that character, yeah, like jabbing him with the, with his paws. It's mm, pretty pretty it's bad. Um,
1: and this is more. This is just fun fact. The this story so as you imagine since it was so short it, the original version it was published in was kind of like a, like a wallet essentially where you pull the pictures out Mm. in a row. Oh, cool. Um, but, uh, book, uh, like booksellers hated this because the, the pictures would like peel off the page as, Mm. as they got folded back and forth and back and forth. Um, Yeah, the the shops, this is Beatrix Potter writing, the shops sensibly refused to stock them, these books with the wallet, with the the pictures unfolding, because they got unrolled and were so bad to roll up again. And so then eventually it gets reprinted, actually, as a book. Mm. But um, there you go. There's your fun fact of Beatrix Potter trying lots of different things to see what will actually work. Cool. But uh, there you go. Like, um, I don't know what else there is for it. Like, just, it's my, I know my children's lit episode was like a year and a half ago, but like the takeaway is always like, All these books are up online. You can find every one of them on Project Gutenberg, which um, is a resource we've talked about before. But most any classic we talk about is in the public domain because it's old enough that no one can claim intellectual property for it or claim ownership of it. Um, So if you're ever looking for a classic, Project Gutenberg is a great place to look. They have all of these Uh, Beatrix Potter books and all the illustrations are up on there too. And I know in
0: your episode maybe that we did a while ago about children's literature, we sort of talked about that question about do children's story writers have an obligation to have not a happy ending but at least some sort of sense of like um, something moral or some sort of sense of um, – well – if they are, if they are, if these are going to be stories for impressionable young minds, is the imp- is the fact what kind of impression you're going to make, even more important, or do you just sort of like tell your tell whatever story that you want? Do, uh, I remember we talked about that in the other episode. Do you have any now that you sort of like spend more time with these stories? Do you have any further thoughts on on that?
1: Candidly, I, I don't remember what I said a year and a half ago. So I if I repeat all of it, I, our listeners probably sure. won't either. So uh, yeah, I, I think the story has to be good on its own as well. And I think that's something that Potter gets right, that whether there's a – even like saying that the message of Peter Rabbit is ambiguous, which I think is fair. And mm-hmm. the, again, the sequel to the story, the mischievous Peter Rabbit gets his clothes back. Like mm-hmm. it all works out for him in the end. So like was he really punished for it or was he like condemned for – breaking into someone's uh, farm and stealing their vegetables and all that stuff so even if the message is ambiguous there it's a good story and for the message to matter to a kid in at all it needs to be something entertaining sure so you, you need both and this is the not to over vaunt this but this is like the what what you get with this um, union of good, true, and beautiful, like this idea of, like, you you might think of those as three separate ideas, but there's actually a unity to Mm -hmm. all three of those. And so if a thing is going to be, uh, if it's going to have a true message or a good message, it should also be a beautiful uh, story in its own right, Mm -hmm. which I think is what Potter gets at, that um, it is to to read it, to look at the art, it is a piece of, it is a, a work of beauty, and then also you pair that with um, messages that are good and true, but not moralizing. So I think that's what, I think that's part of what makes it lasting for 120 years or whatever we're at.
0: And I also remember from that episode also mentioning that violence in a children's story is, no, I wouldn't, it's not important, but there is, in the older stories, you get the sense that like Shying away from violence, like the hunter actually like shooting the bird. I can imagine a modern or shooting the rabbit. I can imagine a modern story had the hunter like realizing that hunting was wrong, and he put his gun down and realized that once he stopped being a hunter, he made more friends in the animal kingdom, and everyone was his best friend. He raised both rabbits, yeah, and you know, and then whereas like that's I don't know, there's there's something about the allowing a a small amount of scariness.
1: And a little bit of amount of violence
0: in the story is a like important part of children's stories.
1: Let me – this is the first page of Peter Rabbit um, and I'll – just to to your point here, just like the casualness with which these dark elements are brought in. All the characters are introduced and then the mother is saying to the four – to her four kids, now my dears, said old Mrs. Rabbit one morning, you may go into the fields or down the lane but don't go into Mr. McGregor's garden. Your father had an accident there. He mm-hmm. was put in a pie by Mrs. McGregor. Mm-hmm. Now run along and, and don't get into mischief. Like <laughs> just very casually. Like your father was killed by this family. Your father but, was yeah. killed
0: by his man and turned to a pie. Yeah. An
2: accident. Yeah, yes, an Exactly. Accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, but they showed That's the,
2: the thing you would say to a child. Too, yeah. But
1: right? they show the picture of like that's oh, the pie, that the, pie. <laughs> the, that the father was baked into. That's oh. like again like the third picture in this thing. Um, <laughs> it's just like there. And <laughs> it's just I'm like I'm very I'm casually, wrong. yeah. So yeah, I think that's uh I don't know what the Term for that is, but like, uh, it's like a respect of your audience sure, kind of thing sure. of not trying to hide something. And yeah, uh, Sarah's reading The Secret Garden right now. Mm-hmm. You all read this yeah. before?
0: And the mom's sick, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, the whole—is this a spoiler? No. I'm sorry if I'm going to spoil The Secret Garden. It's just the most recent part of it. She read the family gets cholera and all dies, but the main character is like knocked out. Like she accidentally gets drunk and like passes out while her family all dies, and she wakes up and like is surrounded by death. That's like a children's book, right? I so that part, yeah. But that's uh, that's uh, one of those. Um, part of it is maybe people were more uh, they saw death more sure. than they do now, and so maybe it was more a common part of life. Or in this setting, if she's writing for people who farm, like they see animals die, like that's mm-hmm. a normal thing, and maybe it's not as traumatizing yeah. or scary or whatever as it might be today. Um, so I don't know how much of it is. People were just accustomed to different things versus you should make sure kids know that that death is a real thing. That's right. I think that second one matters too.
0: Rabbits are delicious.
1: Rabbits are delicious. I
0: mean, and this is not that we're living on a farm, but we're out in the country. And I've seen more dead animals in the past two and a half years than I did in the past 15, 20 years living in the city. Right. So
2: it's just
1: a thing. So
2: crazy. I mean, you see cockroaches, but not much else. Oh,
1: yeah. so gross. <laughs> Yeah, you saw scorpions for a long time too, right?
2: Uh, yeah. The I'm uh, not anymore. Not yeah. downtown. Yeah. I have. I've seen. There's there's one cockroach I think that's living in my closet. Gross. Mm. You should
1: take you borrow one. Get rid of. Him. Get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, there's no food in there. Oh, he's, he's gonna die eventually. Gross. Yeah. gross. Well, uh, that's been, yeah, that's Beatrix cool. Potter. So check it out. Go read go read some kids' books. Awesome. Well, this has
0: been Classical Stuff You Should Know with Graham, Thomas, and Michael. AJ. <laughs> Michael. Um, you can email us at the guys at classical. Clackical. Clackical. A, I wrote this Michael outro too. Yeah. At classicalstuff.net. <laughs>
2: uh, you can. Hey, hold, on, hold on, Should I have JGBT write us <laughs> an yeah, outro? for sure. Yeah, you yeah, work yeah. on it. Yeah. Um I got it. You have like seconds, so in yeah. the
0: meantime, worry, I AJ's I this. doing this. Yeah, now you got to like just pass time. If anybody is watching on
2: YouTube, YouTube, which
0: you're probably not because I don't think we've up oh we've had some people email us asking us if we're gonna I saw a comment that said or a comment if
1: it wouldn't be a problem could yeah, you yeah. please yeah we're only um, a year behind so we're only
0: a year behind but if anybody is watching this on YouTube in the future it is not a beer bottle sitting in front of me in a Christian education school it is Virgil's vanilla cream soda just you got wondering so I, email us I or drank it you? and I feel gross yeah I feel absolutely gross because I had 84% of my like Daily recommended amount of sugar, which is pro- probably already like three hundred percent more than, it sh- than a human body should
1: have. Don't eat. You don't have a lot of sugar to begin with.
0: I do not. I no. definitely don't. This is like the first soda I've had in like fifteen years, and I feel disgusting.
2: Was it delicious? It was delicious. Can okay, I email this to us? Okay. Are there parts for three of us? I'm just going to reply to Beatrix Potter one.
1: Okay, deal. Right, I'll be looking for a Beatrix Potter I don't know how response. I like this. This okay. I'm host one. Okay.
2: Keep your host numbers. Well, yeah, I gotta wait for it to. I come. have to wait. It's not here yet. I'm sure everybody has like stopped listening. <laughs> to this I emailed
1: it to classical stuff to the guys. Oh, at the classical guys? stuff. Oh, not Oh, too. Well,
0: Woofle Roo. How am I? S- I need to log into like I don't have that on my phone, so you guys will have to do it.
2: Oh, I can forward it to you. <laughs> do it. <laughs> uh, do you want anyway, Ver- at Veritas? so uh, no, no your it's just my Gmail. Personal? It's fine. And
0: <laughs> okay, got just, it. why don't you just announce it to everybody? Forward um, <laughs> Forwarded. Appreciate okay. it. So,
1: uh, all right, I'm there. I'm ready. So, which host am I? I think you your host. Let's see. Uh, you were host two, two, and then Graham, Graham is three. host three. Yeah, I'm not there yet.
0: Okay. Just uh, I'm dragged to refresh. There we go. All right, boys. Okay. Let's do this.
2: And that concludes our exploration of classical knowledge on today's episode. We hope you found the journey through history, philosophy, and literature as fascinating as we did. Remember to hit that subscribe go. button, rate us, and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform.
1: Your support means the world to us. <laughs> If you enjoy what you hear and want to help us continue bringing you engaging content, consider becoming a patron on our Patreon page. Your contributions enable us to delve into more captivating topics each week.
0: Connect with us on social media to stay in the loop. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for additional insights, behind-the-scene moments, and updates about upcoming episodes. Your feedback and
2: interactions are always appreciated. As we wrap up, we encourage you to keep exploring classical knowledge. Whether you're revisiting the classics or venturing into new territories, the pursuit of wisdom is a lifelong journey. Until next time, keep seeking, keep learning, and keep appreciating the timeless wisdom of the classics. Thank you for joining us on Classical Stuff You Should Know.
0: It's pretty inspiring. It's good.